And we're back. Welcome to Line Noise. I'm Philip Sherburn. And I'm Ben Cardew. Uh It's been a long while. We shouldn't have left you without a dope beat to step to. <laughs> Although hopefully... Don't say dope beat, Ben. <laughs> oh, please. I've, I've shot us in the foot already. Uh, we're back. It's been a while. Uh, hopefully it won't be that much longer before we return. This is our penultimate podcast for the year. And what a year it's been. What a year it has been indeed. But uh, we'll be talking about that next time. Next time we're going to uh, round up the year. Uh, this time we're going to start off by talking about Mira, which was a festival we attended a couple of weeks ago in Barcelona. Um, uh, tell us about Mira. Well, yeah, I mean, Mira is uh, it's one of the smaller festivals here in Barcelona. It's interesting because Barcelona's getting... We have a real array of, of electronic music festivals at this point. I mean, in addition to Sonar, obviously, which is the big daddy of them all. Um, there's Lapsus, and Mira's been going for how many years now? A fair few. I think it's about six or seven. Okay, yeah. And Mira, it's two nights. Um, it all takes place in the Fabra y Coats factory, sort of a warehouse, like a industrial space, like a 19th yeah. century, you know, brick factory space um, in San Adria de Besos, is it? Yeah. Yeah, just outside the city limits. I mean, st- strictly it's three nights, but the first night is is free. There's a load of free stuff um, to go to. I think most people concentrate on the, the two and it, nights. And it positions itself as a, not just a, as an electronic music festival, but as a festival of, of electronic music and digital art. Yeah, it says it's focused on the intersection between electronic music and live visuals, which actually I think is a really interesting space to be in. Um particularly this year. I mean, electronic music has always had quite a long history with live visuals. But this year, I mean, I started the year very excited by virtual reality. I'm not quite sure if the promise has come through yet, but it seems one of one of those years that there's been a lot of people interested in kind of pushing the boundaries of what can be done with live visuals in various different ways. And um, for that reason, I, I sort of thought the mirror this year was particularly, particularly interesting, particularly relevant. Had you had you been to Mira before? I yeah, once. Uh I went uh a couple of years ago, three years ago. Um so the Hawks on Cloak, people like that. Um and it was great. I mean it was a bit different this year. Uh they introduced I mean the main difference was they had this big uh, three hundred and sixty dome and a number of specially uh, produced commissions. So you'd go in there and you'd listen to someone playing music while 360 projections went on around you and everyone laid down and it was very sort of uh it made me think not that i ever went to one of you know one of those like psychedelic happenings of the 1967 or something like that or a planetarium show from 1977 well exactly exactly it was um it was uh really interesting i mean there was a big you you had to get tickets to get in there um it was limited to about 200 and there was really big interest in it um, and I managed to see one event there. Um, you didn't see any? I did so. not get in, no. No. Um, but I saw uh, a producer based in Barcelona called Begun, Begun mm-hmm. um, and he had produced an exclusive show uh, for this. This was on the, the Saturday night. And some of it was utterly brilliant. Some of it, uh, not so much. I mean, the the, the brilliant bits were when... Um, he, the show really used the 360 dome and, you know, you, there was a projection all around and you felt a little bit like you were, 
falling into an iceberg or something like that. That was really good, and the music matched it. And then there were bits where it was basically uh, a sort of the same video projected in different parts with a few things linking it. And it was almost like, well, this doesn't gain that much from being 360. And also, as I mentioned, most people were lying down, but the music was quite upbeat, you know, had a sort of full, full kick drum. And it was like, um, maybe something a little bit more ambient. But it was really good, and I enjoyed it. It's the the idea of uh, a, 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 a festival focused on electronic music and, and visuals. is It's an interesting idea. I... I would have liked to have seen it pushed a little bit further, at least in terms of the shows that I that I saw. I, it made me think of back to going back to Unsound Festival in Krakow uh, a month or so ago. One of the most interesting shows that I saw there was uh, the visuals were done by Marcel MFO, who actually did some presentations uh, at Mira. I think he accompanied Roly Porter, maybe, and Tim Hecker. I think. And I, of course, he did the Tim Hecker one. Um, which that was really successful, um, but but what I was thinking about the Unsound show that he did that was so cool was the strange the two dudes from Survive that did the Stranger Things soundtrack yeah. and they did the Stranger Things soundtrack live on this huge bank of synthesizers and the music was fine. I mean, I thought it it was better than I expected to be honest. Um, I'm not a huge fan of of them, although it's hard to say if maybe I'm just a little allergic to the hype. Um, right. that sprung up around them. But what Marcel did for the visuals was instead of doing a projection, he had these, basically they looked like fluorescent tubes, but they were filled with, I guess, some kind of LED that would change colors and even sort of change shape so it could like go like laterally along the length of the tube. And most of the time they glowed white, but sometimes red, sometimes yellow. And he had them very sparsely arrayed kind of across the stage and everything was in near darkness. And, and it... Yeah, it's it's hard to explain, but it, there was just imagine these sort of bars of light, very sparsely arrayed through the space, and it really it gave you a very interesting sense of three dimensional space. Right, um, and I think that's an interesting frontier is is working with lighting instead of visuals um, in well, performance. One thing I really liked about Mira was that basically people interpreted this brief which was you know to to have a sort of visual aspect in very different ways so tim hacker's live show uh there was just this fog of of dry ice i mean you really couldn't see very much what was going on and onto that they put they put uh, lights basically right. so you'd have basically dry ice with lots of different colors it was really immersive um but other people um like Jaylin, for example, she had someone doing in um, visuals, but she also had a live dancer, which right. is like a very different way of looking at it. So people could basically interpret this in different ways, um, which I enjoyed. You know, it's not just one, what there is this one way of doing visuals. It's like, well, what works with your music, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it seems to me, the more that people move away from the video screen you know and sometimes the you know if you pair the right video with the music it can it can be great but I, i'm intrigued to see what what happens next the the tim hecker show was was phenomenal i mean that was the same he's been touring that a little bit um i think he did the same one at mutech last year i saw him do it at unsound two years ago um and at unsound it was the fog and all of that but then they had these um led lights ringing the room and so you could see them through the fog um but nothing else and so you were really like hemmed in in this 
very claustrophobic space. And I, I thought Tim Hecker was the, was probably the best thing. I mean, unlike you, I'd actually never seen him before, and I was just totally taken in. It was so live, it was so immersive. Um, you could really just sort of lose yourself in it, in this rumbling sound and and all the fog around you, which was great. That was probably my favourite. Um, other highlights. I mean, I thought Jaylin was great as ever. Um, her new material sounded really good, uh, and. I thought Gesloten Circle. What I, I was maybe not quite in the mood, but what I did see was was really good as well. How, how about you? Any other highlights? Or? Um, I guess Nathan Fake would be my other big right. highlight. Um, he and, and it's funny because I'm I'm having trouble even remembering how it was now. I mean, a, a lot of times even the shows that I really dig, they sort of evaporate once I'm I'm not there. But um, I remember it being pretty intense, pretty pretty techno. If I'm yeah, not in, yeah. And he's got a new, he's got a new single out uh, on uh, Technical, and I seem to remember it didn't sound very much like that. In fact, if I remember rightly, I think they said he was playing uh, a set of entirely new material. And that may have been. I think we're going to be talking about that new single later, if I'm not mistaken. I think we may well be. Yes. All right. So we'll <laughs> we'll keep our powder dry. Um, but the other thing with with um, Mira is along alongside the music they also have uh art installations well there's two things there's a room of there's a digital art gallery in which you've got various people making digital art there was some vr there was uh, a very nice hologram piece if i remember rightly there's lots of uh kind of couple of pieces from conks on packs never mm-hmm, quite sure mm-hmm. how to say that um but alongside that they had three uh, art installations one of which was basically I mean, I could read the description, but I remember it as basically lots of lights and something puffing smoke out every every once in a while, which I enjoyed. Um, another one had lots of LED lights all over and also lots of smoke as, as, as well um, and music and the LED lights going uh, in time with the music. It was very immersive again. And probably my favorite was uh, Onion Lab Presents AI Vectors, which had robots firing lasers i mean what more do you want robots and lasers um yeah the robot piece was was fantastic i mean i i have no idea how, like what even goes into building something like that or where they i remember i mean the the brand of robot was like on the it was marked there i mean there were like industrial robots they were sort of over-the-counter yeah. robots but whatever they had done to program them was phenomenal and they sort of fired lasers at each other. I thought it was really yeah. impressive, like vaguely sinister, vaguely sort of very entertaining, but like there was something quite sinister about this robot like sitting up, moving around and firing a laser yeah. at someone else. We welcome our new robot overlords. Absolutely. <laughs> well, they're better than humans this year, so frankly. <laughs> and let's have them. And then we also, we went to another concert uh, last week, I guess it was. Um, we went to the Kaisha Forum to see Rabbit play for the Danitz party. And that was uh, a really great gig. Another quite unusual one because Kaiser Forum, for people who don't know, is an art gallery. Um, and oh, run by a bank. Yeah. The biggest bank of Catalonia, basically. Um, and they do these really, didn't do really sort of arty techno gigs, electronic music. Um, and the brilliant thing about them, well, the artists, they get a brilliant, but one of the brilliant things is they're super cheap. Like, uh, tickets are six euros, but if you're a Kaiser Bank member, they're three. Three euros, yeah. And I think if you're uh, an if you support the art gallery or something like that, they they cost nothing. So 
you get this brilliantly varied crowd of people. You get, you know, sitting down next to us, as I'm sure you remember, was was two people in their 60s. In their 60s, probably, yeah, yeah. And, you know, they look dressed up for a night of art. Yeah, they asked us, they were like, is is this where the performance is? No, they said, I think the actuacion was there. Yeah. And I was like, y- yes, it, it is. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> concert, was Good it? Good luck it with in, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of looked out for them later. I didn't see them. I don't know if they, if they, <laughs> if they left. So, yeah, so Rabbit's gig. I mean, I, uh, you know, we, we both listened to his music a lot. I, I really had no idea what to expect. Um, and I still am not sure exactly what he was doing up there. I mean, it was very, very active. He was, his hands were very active, right? He, he seemed to be working with uh, a CDJ, running into a laptop, but he was, his hands were moving on that CDJ like the whole time. Yeah, that was something, because often you see uh, live electronic music acts and um, you can't really tell what they're doing. Maybe they're not up to much clicking a few things, but he was really, really moving. Like His hands were, you know, moving almost as much as someone playing guitar. It was like kind of frantic at times. Um, and it was very hard to tell what the result was i mean it wasn't like obvious that he'd move something and the, and the sound would change but it was a it was a it was a brilliant output of sound my suspicion is that there was maybe he may have been working with a recording of voice or something like that because there were voices threaded through there and he talked about uh using some sort of software that was kind of a manipulating things so i don't know if he was manipulating a cd with a voice on it then i did recognize for instance he played two tracks two of alicia crampton's e and e tracks yeah in there that they seem to be kind of un unadulterated so i will say it was very the the, the sound in there was not ideal it was a big kind of concrete and glass box um and it was very very boomy and echoey and like his sound is pretty chaotic to begin with and like there was not a lot of definition to it shall we say no um but i i mean i quite like the fact that he just didn't alter what he did at all for for it being an art gallery i mean that he his first song i remember had just sort of machine guns all over the place and was really really stressful and then i think the next thing was this really beautiful e and e track and it was just, it, it, it was a totally sort of up and down, right? I'll, I'll kind of do what I want. Um, and it flipped between the two, you know, there was some really yeah. like, lovely ambient moments and then just some absolute filth. I, I remember watching people dancing, and but it was bizarre because there were literally no discernible beats anywhere, at least in that part when they were dancing. And yet they had locked into a rhythm and they were just doing their thing. And I thought that was really cool, actually. Like that he, I don't know, that he was inspiring people to, to move well, this, will. this was the thing they said they sold 600 tickets which for a rabbit gig in an art gallery is pretty good and um people people remained you know yeah, yeah. You know, that's the thing you think okay well you've spent three euros on a ticket maybe if it's not your 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 cup of tea you're just gonna go but people stayed i mean there were Right at the end, even after an hour and 10 minutes, 20 minutes of very intense music, you still had a good 500 people in there or something, you know. Yeah, and it's I th- I'm encouraged because it's proof that there is an audience for strange music in Barcelona, an audience for the kind of music that doesn't get programmed in clubs because you couldn't put that on at Nizza, really. You couldn't put it on at The Loft. I mean, it just wouldn't work, certainly not on a weekend night. You know, maybe if they did a Wednesday night one-off or something, Yes, but you know it's it's not dance club music, and so, but but there are still people that want to go out to it, which is I, great. I almost think you just have 
to go and see Rabbit. It's not like you wouldn't go and see Rabbit as, you know, you wouldn't go and see some sort of DJ playing house and like, oh, we'll go and check out Rabbit in the second room. <laughs> just sort of yeah. <laughs> it'd, it'd probably ruin your night. And I don't <laughs> mean that in a bad way. Like, it's just, it's just, it doesn't fit in that kind of way. You know, whereas it actually fit quite well in the art gallery on on a on a Friday night. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, so big up Danit for for doing your thing. Um, we spoke to Rabbit uh, uh, shortly before he went on uh, stage, so let's uh, play that back now. Yeah, so we're here with uh, Rabbit um, here at the Danit uh, event at Caixa Forum here in Barcelona. Uh, Rabbit's going to be playing uh, a set. Uh, later this evening, are are you doing a live set? I guess. Yeah. And yeah. Um, what what should we expect from that? Um, is it going to be kind of along the lines of communion or something different? It's a pretty new idea. Um, I'm going to be playing some samples in a piece of software, kind of um, new material I made in advance, like to be played in the software. It's kind of a long story. <laughs> So yeah, it's like about, um, it's a mixture of kind of some planned things and also some improvised bindings that I have like through some frequency shaping tools, you know, so it's kind of a mixture of those things. So it's totally new and it's totally different from the album for sure. Um, the, the software that you're, you're talking about, I mean, is mm -hmm. that something that, that you developed or the, no, okay. no, that's something some, someone gave me, a company gave me. Yeah. And you're playing in an art gallery, yeah, in, in the kind of entrance to an art gallery, right? Um, what do you think about playing in in a gallery like this? Do you think it fits you well? I don't know yet. I'm excited about it. I think it's going to work really well. So I'll have to see how I feel after the show. Because I was interested. You said um, that a lot of the time you play in clubs. Mm -hmm. Your music, you yeah, your music isn't really club based, right? Um, is there a space? in which you do envisage being perfect for your music? Um, no, because, I mean, I've been thinking more and more lately about just being like a recording artist and just kind of the differences and how vast the differences are, you know, between being a recording artist and a performing artist, because that's not something that a lot of us have really like dissected or thought about because we came from the DJ scene. And so it's kind of like, wow, I'm in front of this, like all these people and they're looking for me to say something and I don't even know what I want to say or, you know, how, <laughs> you know, how, like how much, I, how deep I really want to get into it. And so it brings forth all these new questions, kind of like, what am I, you know, really, what am I doing? You know, at least like, that's what I have, the question it gives me. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, beyond the dates that I have, kind of like scheduled right now. I don't really know what I'm gonna do. You know, I might decide that I just wanna like stay home and make music um, and then let just kind of like let experiment with a bunch of different things and let whatever happens happens, you know? Yeah, I, I don't really envision it like, in fact, like a lot of the time I think headphones are kind of like the ideal environment because that's kind of like when I make things, like I kind of get into my own world and like imagine just this sort of, um, I wouldn't say kind of like three-dimensional, you know what I mean? But it's just kind of like things happening and I don't really like to think about them. I like to feel them instead. Um, so I think, yeah, on a system with like a lot of bass, you know, a good sound system, like, yeah, that's cool. But someone just might have like as good of an experience listening on good headphones. You see what I mean? Like at home, just 
doing whatever they want to do. Because you didn't, you started making beats before you were performing, right? You didn't come out, you didn't right. start out as a DJ. Right, yeah, I was just making beats at home um, just because I was like obsessed with beats. For, for yeah. many years, right? Yeah, I mean, you yeah. You really like took your time. Before yeah, you yeah, I did. And like, um, I mean, I was just kind of isolated and like doing it as a hobby and also like in more of like a deconstructing way, you know, just like being a total like nerd and just like trying to figure out like every little thing you know um kind of like that version of that person on the forums like taken to like an unhealthy extreme basically <laughs> you know just like just kind of like scavenging you know what i mean everyone's beats like the producers that i liked i would find everything they made and wanted to know like every single thing about it but i was always like that and then it just kind of inevitably turned into okay now i kind of want to do my own some of that was kind of pre-internet too, right? I, I get the sense, like, you talked about reading Blaze magazine, for instance. Yeah, and, yeah. I mean, like, like, I guess the internet was around, obviously, but, like, not to beyond. The today, maybe. Yeah, I mean, like, the sites I went on were, like, all hip-hop and, like, future producers, <laughs> you know, which are pretty kind of, like, defined in what they are, you know, which is people who want to be, like, rap producers. I mean, are, are you still that same person that wants to know everything about what people are doing that wants to hear everything a producer has done yeah i think so and i think um nowadays maybe it's just changed to like producers that i want to release on the label you know or artists where like i might not be trying to like figure out you know like everything they're doing um but i kind of idolize them in like their spirit you know what i mean where i see someone i'm like damn they're amazing like I, more people have to hear this you know what I mean? And like, and that's kind of the same thing. Who would be who would be some of the people that right now that you're saying that about? Um, just the people I've been releasing on the label that still have more stuff coming. Angel Ho, mm -hmm. who's like been one of my favorite producers. Um, Evo, we have like an EP and an LP coming out from him, which is super good. Um, a lot more stuff coming out. Um, just too much to list. Yeah. You mentioned producing as kind of a case where you're isolating yourself and mm -hmm. and from reading some previous interviews you you did i got the sense of you talked about moving to galveston and and being kind of isolated there and mm -hmm. i was wondering specifically like what impact texas and houston had on your musical development on your outlook i mean both in the sense of like it's a long way away from a lot of the kinds of music that you were interested in um it as far as I know, Houston doesn't have a huge electronic music scene or experimental music scene, although it has an incredible hip hop scene, right. or at least a lot of incredible yeah. hip hop comes yeah. out of there. And also like the idea of being a car culture, which mm. is in in itself an isolating kind of thing. Like how, how do all those things yeah. kind of I mean, affect you? I mean, it's really, it's a super deep topic and it's something I've only really been able to kind of like kind of like theorize about like more recently you know and I think it's really about kind of like looking at America in this like slanted way you know what I mean and I think like that's kind of like what Houston sort of like added to my music is the also the idea that something doesn't have to be super kind of like explicit and in having a message and trying like super hard to have a message to be like influential or just like really heavy and like immersive, you know, because it's almost like kind of if you listen to a DJ screw tape, he might have been mixing like anything, you know what I'm saying? But like, yeah, it would just kind of have this pervasive like mood. Um, and that's 
definitely something I picked up from like the music there that's kind of hard to like put into words because it's not so much a genre, you know what I mean? It's more of just like a style. Um, but it's also about being in the South and then also like being um, in a lot of the different states in the South and seeing like how the prison industrial complex like shapes kind of the entire town and like most of the things that exist are just like a prison, a Walmart and gas stations. You know, and, like, after seeing that enough and, like, putting two and two together it kind of, like, makes the picture a little bit more clear, you know, about um, America and, like, what's actually going on. So, yeah, it's, like, it's been kind of really um, clarifying, I guess is the word. You mentioned genre. Um, I-, I wanted to ask something. If you were working in a record shop mm-hmm. um, and a rabbit record came in, yeah, where would you put it? I don't know. Maybe like industrial if there's a section. I don't know. Beats. I don't know if the record store has a beat section. Like that kind of makes sense. I don't know. You know, I mean, the sections nowadays are like really vague, aren't they? Like, yeah. It's kind of like electronic, techno, and then like experimental. And those are kind of like the three categories. And like, however that person feels like at that day in that store, like that's where you're going to (laughs) go. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's the same for music websites, I think too. You mentioned uh, with communion, Mm -hmm. uh, you said that you would be happy um, if listeners brought their own meaning Mm -hmm. to the album. Has that happened? Have you had people expressing? Yeah, for sure. Every single person that like comes up to me and like, tells me what they think about it like it's totally different anything that surprised you one of the most surprising things is um how a lot of people feel like it's sort of like downward leaning but to me like it's kind of goes upward and i guess it's like having to do with the idea that immediately once something is kind of like introspective or just like different in some way it's dark like dark 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 like that's like the first thing people go to or I don't it should be doing this or it should you know like all those like weird things that people like critics and just like kind of like fans seem to revert to um so like that's the you know something that I think always exists that kind of feedback um but I think you know there's just as many people who like didn't see it on a super basic level you know they saw it kind of like for whatever whatever they got from it you know um it's cool to see what everyone thinks <laughs> I, I was listening to the album again mm-hmm. um today yeah uh, and i don't know if it's because i've not slept very much because mm-hmm. i've got a cold <laughs> but I, I swear I, I sort of for the first time i found a thread of really dark humor in it uh-huh in some of the spoken word uh samples and some of the really extreme noises mm-hmm. is that something you intended or something people have got from it I don't really know if I've quite kind of gotten that angle yet. I mean, I do understand it, though, for sure, yeah. I mean, after the fact, you know, every everything sounds, um, takes on a life of its own, I guess, like, after the fact, and so, like, um, but I almost like how listening to something can kind of, like, capture an era, and so, like, overall, I'm happy with it, like, you know, in that respect. And what, what's your intention with using spoken word samples? I don't really know if I had any, you know. sounded good yeah yeah i think i was just trying to say something and that was like just a book of poetry that i was reading at the time and i was like let me see if i can go on youtube and like find some person like reading this you know and then i finally just found one that i liked that was like from something that resonated with me and then just used it 
It's surprising how well it works then for something that's found of the way. If it, yeah. Like it feels perfect to the... Yeah, I mean, I think it started out as one idea and then there was another idea, like, and then I just merged them and made, like, one track out of them. What about working with vocalists again? Um, you, uh, I know you work with Rika Dan, for example. Do you have any more plans to work with vocalists? Yeah, if it happens. But it's, it's not... Yeah, I'm still kind of thinking right now about, like, what I want to do next, you know, in terms of just what I want to do and what I want to say. So I'll just kind of see where that goes. Um, Like, a, a few people have hit me up, but it was kind of in a non-committal, like, new age, kind of new-aged way that people do things, where they just say, like, send beats. And, like, I don't know. People don't really seem... Um, I mean, people don't want to get invested because I feel like they don't want to make an, a wrong choice nowadays in, like, the music scene. But I think it's also kind of about yeah, it's just, like, the way people create. I think rather than, like, critiquing people's, like, ways of making their album, like, maybe I should just do that for my own. So, like, that's where I've been thinking more lately. Like, if I think that process is lacking, like, real in-person, like, in-studio creating, like, an album, then maybe that's what I need to do. And so, like, that might be the next thing I do. something back mm -hmm. very briefly i'm um, okay. talking about communing again okay. if i may you said uh you didn't want the album just to be me doing cool sounds yeah <laughs> firstly what's wrong with doing cool sounds and secondly what did you want it to do i mean there's nothing wrong with it it's just about what's for me you know right for me personally and so, so what did you want the album to be did you have like a a story just something that could have its own kind of like life you know, it, uh, and I think that's also the thing about like remaking. Um, I think that's just when stuff gets redundant, when it has to be like viewed as kind of just like a product or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I just really wanted to make something that I don't know, had like some own character or like reason to exist. And like, I just felt like I knew when I made it, you know, y you were saying just earlier that you were talking about. Um, we're talking about Trump and how you had mm -hmm. uh, lots of music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is this music we're going to see? I mean, is it is it pretty different? Is it feel more political? Does it feel angrier? Does it um, I mean, I've been like doing different things here and there, but it's kind of like a breadcrumb trail. You know, it's like you have to kind of like go online and look for it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm just feeling it out. Like, yeah, I mean, it's so complicated. Like, because at one point, you know, it really does make me question even more, like, just, like, the importance of the work, and, like, then that makes me question, like, the places where it exists, you see what I'm saying, and, like, the ways that it's distributed, and things like that, um, so I don't know, it's all still kind of up in the air for me, like, I'm really focusing on just getting out, like, a bunch of new things that we have coming on the record label of mine, I think that's definitely a way to, like, have a voice and let people have their own um, but yeah, there's some stuff coming out. I can't say anything yet. It's a little too early. Yeah, there'll be something soon. What's uh, what's the mood in Texas like now for, let's say, like you and your peers? It depends who you ask. I mean, honestly, like 
you know, part of this whole thing. I'm having discussions with people like that live in all different parts of the world. And I don't know. I think the thing that's only unique to the people that, you know, I talk with from the States is that people are like, I didn't know people around me felt like this, you know, and it's kind of like, at least in Europe, like people kind of knew. Like, all my friends from Berlin that aren't white, it's, like, obviously they kind of know, like, it is just kind of, like, a way that, you know, things are. That's some of the just uncomfortableness of the current reality is that, like, a lot of people are, are realizing, well, yeah, we've had everything spoon-fed to us, and we have our little, like, box life that, like, you know, and we thought everything was a certain way, but we didn't know, like, we were just living in a version of, like, the world that Google and Facebook and Twitter, like, gave to us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of feel, like, um, so there was a lot of confusion and now I see people kind of basically either resigning into cynicism or just being like, oh yeah, like it'll be okay. And so, <laughs> yeah, I don't really know how to feel right now. And like, at the same time, like, it's not like a nuclear bomb just dropped. Like America's been f***ed up and racist. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like, and so maybe like just the reality check and that occurred was for like white people living comfortably in America to realize, oh wow, like there's people who really don't feel protected and don't feel welcome here. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It may be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know beyond that because it's just like, I don't even really want to think about it too much because I like to just, I almost like feel like it's going to make my music go completely reverse and i'll just kind of like live and like make some other world you know that's not so like harsh you know like maybe it'll go somewhere else and i'll just decide like i want to focus on a completely different direction so who knows what'll happen start writing acoustic folk really happy (laughs) hey (laughs) you never know kumbaya Mm. (laughs) cool well um thank you very much eric thank you real pleasure and uh yeah have a great set tonight thank you So while we're on the subject of events in Barcelona, uh, Primavera has announced their full lineup and Sonar has announced uh, kind of a teaser lineup. What do you think, Ben? Well, for the sake of journalistic integrity, I should probably mention that I do work for Primavera, among various other things. Um, but uh, that aside, I really I really like the Primavera lineup this year. Um, I think it's less obvious than in previous years. You know, there's not like a radio head. But there's some really great names like Gas is playing. Yeah, the Wolfgang Voigt project. That's going to be quite... Do you know the one time that I ever saw Gas? No. Uh, was actually at Park Guay here in here in Barcelona. Park Guay? What yeah, was yeah. He doing there? Under, he was playing in the column er, the Hall of Columns underneath the, the big patio terrace. Wow. Yeah, the sound in there was pretty bad. But just visually, it was it was it was amazing. I'll bet. I mean, I think if they if they get that right, it's at the sort of right time of night. And I, I mean, I'd like it to be in a tent, but there are, there aren't really any. Well, yeah, you wonder about bleed through from other stages, right? I mean, are yeah. you going to be hearing I don't know shellac like at the Heineken stage one away? Like, I hope not. Synthetian, hoping <laughs> <laughs> playing their jaunty pop fun. I, I like Synthetian, I should say. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited about seeing Gas. I mean, I don't think he's played live in a while, right? 
I don't think he, I don't know if <coughs> when he may have, but he doesn't do it much, certainly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty much a rarity. Um, and another, I mean, very obvious name, but uh, I'm very pleased to see him as Aphex Twin. Yeah. Uh, I had a feeling. I mean, honestly, I don't know the lineup before they before they announce it. But when Aphex Twin announced that festival in Texas, was it? He's playing a US festival. I can't remember where. Okay. It is. And then he announced Field Day. I Field thought. Day, right. right. And I think that is going to be the one gig this year that everyone's going to try and see. I think that's going to be absolutely massive, and I think it could be brilliant. Do you think he's going to give the people what they want, or do you think he's going to be up there playing Sandpaper? I don't think he'll be up there playing Sandpaper. I well, don't. I'm out then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, forget him. Um, it's hard to tell what I mean. To be honest, if you sort of look back at Aphex Twin live and DJ dates. I mean, I assume it's going to be live because it doesn't say DJ. I mean, yeah. um, by the odd occasion where he does play Sandpaper or a food mixer filled with rocks or whatever, generally, it's actually not, you know, he's not the the type to, to do really strange things too often. I mean, not to say he plays like straightforward music, but like I've seen him three times yeah. and each time has been, you know, recognisably Aphex, if you see what I mean. He's yeah. like playing... Uh, music that sounds like him. Brilliantly odd, but like him, if you see what yeah. I mean. Um, and the time I saw him DJ, um, he played sort of like loads of drum and bass, like loads of V record stuff. So kind of not really what I expected, um, but really good, you know. I'm excited. I think, I, I feel like he's in his give the people what they want. That's a bad way of putting it. I don't think he's like trying to be a crowd pleaser. I just think he's really... He's he's putting out great music. He's enjoying doing it, and he's he's just kind of that's enough, right? There's the, I feel like there's less artifice with him than there ha, than there have been at certain points. Of his yeah, career. yeah. It's kind of what you see is what you get, and and I yeah, I'm excited to see him live for that very reason. I suppose it's the kind of thing that if you can go and you can play some pretty strange avant-garde music to a big crowd that absolutely loves what you're doing without you know the need to go. And, and and you know get a really strong reaction then in a way why would you go that step further unless you're being really bloody minded you right, know right. i mean you could play very 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 strange music and get thousands tens of thousands of people dancing or you could put on a piece of sandpaper i'm sure some people would <laughs> would stay and listen but you know most people are gonna leave who knows yeah yeah no, but, but exactly at this point he's not vvm i mean he's he's Aphex twin yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I also going to say Grace Jones. Yeah, that'll be good. She played Sonar a few years ago, did she not? I think she did, and I wasn't there. No, I, I wasn't either. But um, yeah, she she should be really interesting. I'm I'm not gonna lie, I'm excited about Bon Iver. Uh, I I like that album a lot. I'm really excited about Slayer. Um, I love the fact that Slayer and Aphex Twin are on the same line on the on the on the poster. I'm really looking forward to, and this is this. Is I'm really looking forward to the zombies performing Odyssey and Oracle. Uh, the zombies, yeah, not zombie. No, the, the zombies. <laughs> I like all zombies, right. zombies, any, anything like that. Actually, no, I don't like Zomboy. So, right, yeah, no, no, he's rough. Skip Zomboid. Um, I'm, I'm cautiously optim. Like, scratch that. No, I really am excited that Skinny Puppy are on the bill. Although I'm guessing it will probably be rubbish. Um, I loved, um, what was it? Mind the Perpetual Intercourse that came out when I was probably about 16 and I just thought that was an amazing album. I still do. 
but you know, I don't have a lot of time for the sort of like neo-industrial electro goth in 2016. So we'll see. But I'm excited they're going to be there. Talking which front two four two? They're playing as well. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So th- there will definitely be some some rivet heads there, I guess. Um, the da- I'm assuming they're doing the dance tent. This year, the same way they did last year, the Bowers and Wilkins thing, kind of on the other side of the bridge. I assume there's going to be some kind of dance then. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the electronic lineup this year is really, really good. Um, Aurora Halal, Avalon Emerson, Ben UFO, Don't DJ, Cornell Kovacs, uh, Werko S, Marie Davidson, Pearson Sound, uh, P- Pender Street Steppers. They've, Like you said, it's a little less obvious this year, I think. Mm. You and Ewan, I'm quite looking forward to it. Yeah, also, also, um, you and I are looking forward to you and Ewan. Ah, there we go. <laughs> um, and then Sonar has has done kind of a pre-announcement, um, kind of not super surprising so far. Justice, Nicholas Jar, Eric Prids, maybe kind of a wild card. Well, I think one thing Sonar do every year is they have someone who leans a bit more towards EDM. I mean, they had Skrillex, famously, and last year they had Flume. Uh, uh, I think yeah. maybe Eric Prids is in that slot, I, and I think he—I think he's sort of just about under underground enough for someone who plays Madison Square Garden <laughs> to, to get away with it. I mean, like, he's he's got his techno alter ego. He's like the semi credible EDM guy, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he got the four tech cosigns. So, I mean, I, honestly, I don't think I'm going to be going to see him. But um, <laughs> I, I, sorry, Eric. Yeah. Um, Nina Kravitz is on the bill. Uh, I'm excited about that. Geica. Geica, I missed Geica at Unsound, and everybody who saw him said that he was like kind of a star in the making, that right. he had the presence, he had the music. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see him. Uh, Amnesia Scanner also, I think, is that's going to be really interesting. And I've got to say, De La Soul, uh, if it's sunny, you've got a beer in your hand, and De La Soul are playing the hits, that's got to be good. I think I saw them at my college probably in about 1994 and it was not great. Not, I mean, nothing. I love De La Soul that, you know, three feet high and rising is, is an all time classic and an all time favorite for me. There were a bunch of, of hip hop shows at my college in those years, black sheep, I forget who else. And none of them really ever, how should I put this? They never quite got off the ground. It was like right. verses would start and then they would stop again. And maybe it's just a different kind of a different mode of performance, one that I wasn't really attuned to. It wasn't what I was expecting or hoping for. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. I, I saw them at my, well, I was at university. They weren't playing at my university in 1997. And already they were pretty retro. <laughs> I, I find it vaguely mind-blowing that they're still playing 20, 20 years later. Yeah, and they were great, actually, when I saw them. Right, yeah, right. I mean, it was quite funny because they, they were doing a signing in Manchester City Centre and I took along my Stakes as High CD. A CD single, remember that? Wow! Yeah, yeah. And um, I, because I, I love that song, and I took it along, and I said, yeah, I said, oh, I really, really love this track. And they sort of went, like, they, <laughs> they just couldn't be bothered. And then later on that night, they were like dancing and doing sort of almost dance routines. If I remember, I was really, really surprised, and it was it was great in a very sort of retro kind of way. Well, we'll we'll see what they hold in store at Sonar this year. I guess it's recommendations time. It is, and um, we were talking about Nina Kravitz. My my first recommendation come comes from her. I'm looking forward to seeing you pronounce this. Aha. Uh-huh. Look, I've got you covered. It is a track called Pashustri. Oh. <laughs> can we hear that again? We can. Pashustri. 
It's funny how your voice gets higher and kind of robotic when you speak <laughs> Russian. It's interesting. I'm pretty good at Russian, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that track, that track. Um, it means feel. All right. Don't you know? Um, it, I did. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty good at Russian. It's taken from her Fabric Mix CD, which is a record I've been listening to loads of late. I think it's because it's got cold. Like the last mm-hmm. month or so in Barcelona, it's got pretty cold. Um, and this is a mix that is perfect for the cold. It really is. And I know that sounds like a massive cliche because she was born in Siberia. There's lots of Russian producers on it. And I was wary of that cliche. And I thought, does it really sound cold? Or are you just, you know, putting this cliche onto it? And it really does. There's something mm. about it that sounds cold. It's a bit prickly, no? Yeah, you know, like frosted air, that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Like, um, And it's a really great mix. Have you listened to it? I have um, only a couple times, but my 17-month-old daughter loves it. Every time really? I put it on, she's just standing in the middle of the room doing her little finger dance. She's like super into it. Ah, glad to hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got a raver in the making. Mine are into Gangnam style. <laughs> um, but what I really like about it is it's um, the track listing is quite unique. Um, it's only classics or unreleased tracks. There's nothing current. Mm. Um, and the classics have got some names that I haven't thought of in a long while, like Bedouin Ascent, yeah. Air Liquid, um, Peter Namluk, people like that. And and that sort of rising high kind of thing, which I haven't thought about for ages, but they produce some really, really good music. There's some sort of, there's loads of stuff I'd never heard of, like um, tracks by Species of Fishes. You know, there's. I was listening to that today, and it's one of the. It's like a 15 second track by Species of Fishes, I think, and I could swear it samples either Aphex's Selected Ambient Works Volume Two or it samples an early Autechre thing. But it it came on, and I was like, "Whoa, that's total!" Like I recognize those notes, um, but I have no idea who Species of Fishes is or are. Well, uh, apparently, he's a Russian producer that that released a few CDs in the 90s, so hmm. plenty obscure. And uh, it it's really atmospheric, as I say. It's got a really interesting um, track listing. Loads of stuff you've never heard, loads of unreleased stuff. And um, it's mixed very well, which sounds kind of obvious for a mix CD. But um, it's particularly notable on this track. Because I actually heard the, the, the track itself first. Um, and it's uh, it's really again it's it's really minimal techno. It really sounds really chilly. You know, there's very li- few elements to it. It sounds like almost like chilling. And she mixes it into uh, Mike Hanks' Docs 003 Untitled B1, which is this sort of old school synth and acid number, and that really changes the sound of it. And I love mixes when they do that. That by actually placing something underneath it like the last two minutes of it play out to this play out to these chords and these acidy burbles acidy 303 bits it really changes the sound and um that's that's good mixing in my book if you can change how a track is yeah exactly and bring something new to bring something new to it that wasn't there before exactly because it's a great track in itself but it's very different i mean mm-hmm. the feel of it in the mix cd and the feel of it by itself is very different um let's take a listen to the unmixed version then of? Or do you want to, of, uh, of, <laughs> <laughs> of, <laughs> exactly. 
Weird how we have such similar voices when we speak Russian. So that was uh, Nina Kravitz. Um, Philip, what's your recommendation? Mine is a it's a it's a song called I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this myself. Um, Ama Yes Uzume, which I guess is Japanese. Uh, it's by a duo named Georgia. They're out of New York. Um, their second album just came out on the Palto Flats label. Palto Flats is the label that was responsible for the reissue of that Mariah record recently. Mariah was the Japanese kind of synth pop uh, experimental record from the 80s, uh, real kind of collector mana that they put out, uh, reissued not too long ago. Right. Um, yeah, so so this song is... The whole album's great. It's very freeform. It's very... Um, it, it's kind of all over the place. It's It's kind of like... It reminds me a little bit of that lifted record that Maximilian Dunbar mm-hmm. and and other people did, um, and that is very free form. It's kind of like you get the sense that there were the musicians and their friends were just kind of hanging out in the studio, kind of picking things up at random and kind of making noise with them. And there are elements of of melody, and then it's but it's also very diffuse. Um, I listened to it a lot while cooking in the past few months, right. and it's and it's a really cool record for that context because it's like the structurally it's almost not there at all but it's just there enough to kind of i don't know right. it's it's fun um and this record this this particular track ama yes uzume um it's very new agey um it reminds me of sort of japanese ambient from the 1980s it's got some sort of digital sounding synthesizers it's got some jazzy piano runs mixed in um, Caroline Palachek from the band um, Chairlift sings on it. I think Matt Worth from the, the Revenge label might be on it. I know he plays on the record as well. And it's just really like, just very easy to listen to. It's just kind of six minutes of drifting chords and kind of little bursts of, of jazzy noise. I was just thinking that if I was to listen to it while I'm cooking, I'd probably just go and lie down instead. <laughs> Maybe I'm lazy, but I, I wouldn't chop those onions. I just said, and that's a good thing. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I'm just so blissed out right now. Yeah, I'm just yeah. lie down. Forget the broccoli. I've yeah. got. But it's interesting how many records these days seem to kind of influence, um, to reference that Japanese ambient sound. Yeah. Um, I mean, we were talking uh, recently about uh, Invisible Cloaks. Right. And it just seems sort of very... Uh, is it just me or is it becoming kind of more... Uh, I think it's in the air. I mean, obviously, Visible Cloaks are kind of the... They're the best known for doing that stuff. Obviously, the Palto Flats label has a connection there. Um, I've learned a ton from this blog called Listen to This, which, which is run by Brian Sweeney, who used to do the Body Actualization Center in New York. Um, he's been doing ambient shows at... I think it's called the Ambient Church in New York, and it's a church, and they do ambient shows. And they had a recent one with Motion Graphics, who's another one kind of on that tip. Motion Graphics, um, Visible Cloaks, and I think Georgia may have played that right. uh, concert as well. And so, yeah, I mean, certainly at least among those artists, there's there's something bubbling up there. 
I mean, it's a very beautiful piece of music. This it's very. I, I like the the sort of jazzy influence. There's lots of things in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I'm totally captivated. I played it um, in my NTS radio show at Unsound. I played it and in my opening DJ set of the closing party uh, at Unsound because it was like an like I began with ambient music and I played it also. Uh, at the Volksbühne when I did this CTM Ableton Loop conference thing, which was again like a ambient set kind of freeform, whatever. And it's just it, I don't know. It I, I, it always makes me happy to hear it. And what's the reaction been when you've played it? Um, hard to say because the rooms have been very dark. Or in in the Volksbühne I played in inside a, a big <laughs> wooden skull, so I couldn't see anything. But I mean, it, it's great to mix with if you're playing an ambient set. Right. Um, it leaves a lot of room to kind of mix things along with it. Lovely. Yeah, yeah that's great. So listen, let's listen to George's uh, Amayes Uzume. for us next i want to talk about uh nathan fakes la luna um this has been out for a little while but um i think it's worth talking about it because it was part of the uh save fabric compilation which was this 111 track digital compilation and we did save fabric so well done everybody well exactly well done i think it was nathan fake (laughs) um and it, I mean, that's the thing. When you're faced with a 111-track compilation, where do you start? I mean, everyone's on it, you know? Um, there's so many people across all genres of music, from, like, music to Bruce to Casper to Clams Casino to Cold Cut to Perk to Mum Dance to Calyx and TV. All. And, it, you know, it, it took me a while. And it's all... They say it's all previously unreleased stuff, although the Cold Cut one, I think, has been released, but well, I'm not quite sure. But this Nathan Fake track is one of my favourite tracks of the year, I think, um, because it absolutely, resolutely hits all of my buttons. Um, <laughs> as you know, I love French house. I love sort of filtered French house, the most of the most sort of cheesy and obvious kind. And I also love sort of quite weird things. And this is a combination of French house and quite weird things. I mean, it starts off like really simple with this like loop that he's kind of filtering and you think oh, that sounds very nice and then just adds more weird stuff in it basically and there's a bit of a break beat and then there's this sort of all devouring kick drum that he brings <laughs> in and for me it's just the perfect mix it's like why don't you make why don't people make more more songs like this and the other thing is I I get the feeling and this might I might be 100% wrong on this but I get the feeling that sometimes Nathan Fake in the music he's making like wants to make it really complicated and avant-garde and and strange and that's great obviously but maybe this track which was unreleased as i say maybe he didn't like it because it sounded a bit obvious or maybe Mm -hmm. he did like it but it wasn't kind of didn't quite go with what he was doing and he said okay well you know i'll I'll give it to this this fabric compilation and i don't know maybe it was his favorite thing ever but and i just really like it that he's un he sort of let go a bit maybe and produce something that I would dance to for hours I think <laughs> on a loop 
I'm not going to lie. I I'm I don't like the all devouring kick drum. Is the he, all devouring kick drum spit me out. It it <laughs> I didn't agree with it clearly. Um, but everything else about the track I think is great. Um, I think it's it's really enveloping. I think it's really fun. Um, it's just that kick drum felt especially paired with the breakbeat element. It just felt a little overbearing to me somehow. See that I think is why it works for me. Because it is overbearing. You've got a cleverly constructed track with lots of different things going on. And it's like, right, we'll have this on top. And you're going <laughs> to dance to it, yeah. you know. Whether you like it or not, I, there's all this weird stuff going on. But I'm going to have this kick drum and you're just going to dance to it. You know, that, you know, each to his own. Well, let's listen to it and uh, we'll let you all sort it out. La Luna by, by Nathan Fake and his kick drum. And your second choice is? Uh, my second recommendation for today is a new track by Demdike Stare. It's on their new album called Wonderland, and the song is called Full Edge Empty 40 Mix. And all I can assume is that they're talking about a 40-ounce malt liquor and um, that by the time they finished the track, the 40 <laughs> was empty because it's a really live-feeling track. It feels like... They did it in real time. Like, it feels like the mix down and, and everything was done right. in real time, not kind of bricked in in Ableton on screen. Um, it's a uh, Demdike Stare. This, this new album is really interesting because their old stuff is kind of doomy, ambient music, sort of library music, yeah. um, old African percussion records, um, kind of industrial along the lines of like Nurse with Wound or things like that. And then the the last couple of years, they put out this series of 12 inches called Test Pressing, which were all like jungle and raga jungle and techno, all of it very ugly and overdriven. And they've kind of taken that element of their sound. And that's what this new album is, really. It's very heavily uh, dance hall influenced, a lot of break beats, um, distorted, overdriven. And... Um, and so this full edge empty 40 mix, it actually samples an old dance hall track by Sly and Lenky called Now Thing that's from, I think, 98. And it was released on this, it was re-released on a Moax compilation in 2001, also called Now Thing, that was all digital dance hall from the late 90s. This really like kind of crispy, it was all instrumentals. Um, it was like them, Ward 21, I think. And just these very kind of crispy, like dial tone, uh, kind of like Timbaland influenced dance hall. Um, really great stuff. And so they sample this one kind of ugly synth bass from from the song Now Thing, but then they flip it into a into a straight four four driving techno rhythm, and it's just like messy and ugly and awesome. You could really dance to this, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, sweat to it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what I love about it is it's it's one of those tracks that sounds like it was so simple to make. You know, when when people get that right, and it sounds like it almost sounds like anyone could make it, and of course you couldn't. But it it, it sounds like so simple. It's just like, all right, we get this great sound, we mess around with it, we we kind of do it full full, we splice it with a few other things, and that's it. Because it's just it's just simple in a way. 
Yeah, the, I mean, the best tracks on this album all feel really spontaneous, um, like they were just done. You know, they they had the they had the loop, they dropped it in their sampler, they found a good beat to go along with it, and just kind of like magic happened. Yeah, and do you, I mean, I liked their previous stuff, but this sounds a lot more sort of immediate. This sounds a lot more up your alley, I think. Definitely, I mean, certainly with like the jungle. Um, the jungle aspect of it. It's just, it's a lot more fun, this album, you know? I mean, the other the other albums are very immersive and also like they've always been into these sort of like two and a half hour, you know, triple CD, quadruple LP albums that you really sink into. But this is, I think it's nine tracks, um, 52 minutes total. And it really, it, it kind of grabs you by the lapels and shakes you back and forth. And you wouldn't listen to this cooking, would you? I don't know. I might. It depends what I was cooking. You'd be furious. <laughs> I'd have things sticking from the ceiling. <laughs> I don't think I'd like to eat whatever it is <laughs> yeah, yeah. you made. It Frank. would be charred and blackened <laughs> and toxic. But you um, would be happy. <laughs> <laughs> like my cooking often is. Um, yeah, so anyway, let's listen to uh, Full Fridge, Empty 40 Mix. Full Edge, Full Fridge. I've got cooking on the brain. Full Edge, Empty 40 Mix by Dem Dykestare. Right, Ben. So I think that's the end of our episode. Um, we'll be seeing everybody in another week or so with our year-end uh, special. Correct? Exactly. We're going to be talking about the themes of the year, tracks of the year, albums of the year, um, that kind of thing, highlights of the year. Um, so yeah, well, lowlights of the year. Yeah, we'll, we'll try not to make it too depressing. You know. Um, until then, thank you for listening. And uh, get in touch with us at Pod on Twitter. Or you can even email us, linenosepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.